0: Today on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, you know who we have? We have our pal Larry Foyt. It's been a little while since we've had Larry Foyt on as our guest for the week in IndyCar show brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com and the fine folks at Bell Racing Helmets USA. Speaking of fine folks, how you doing, Larry?
1: Man, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Doing pretty well. Good to talk to you.
0: So... As usual, we've got some great questions for you on our listener-driven show. Those submitted on Twitter and Facebook, and I don't know, I might have checked MySpace and uh, to see, Lord knows where stuff might have come in. So why don't we dive right in, knowing that uh, it's getting to be a little bit late afternoon here on a Thursday. First one comes from friend of the show, Jordan Darwin. Says Larry, does this additional couple of months? before the start of the indycar season do you think it helps or could it possibly hurt your team in some way
1: well it's it's a bit of a double edged sword obviously uh, you know losing some races um these types of things racing um without fans looks like for maybe once or twice I, I don't know it it hasn't been good for us on the sponsor side because we definitely had a lot of things lined up hospitality-wise, uh, as all the teams do, it's a big part of, of racing and a big part of the sponsorships and what we do. So that's not good, but you know, finding a positive uh, for us, uh, I think being a, a smaller team and not having a huge engineering group, we had about eight projects that we just hadn't been able to close the door on, things that we were just didn't have the manpower to, to get done as the season was already rolling into St. Pete. And the guys have done a great job just working from home to tidy a lot of that stuff up and get to the, get to the end results of a lot of these projects we had. So from that side, um, that's definitely been a positive. You
0: mentioned the sponsor side, Larry, and I've had these conversations with, a lot of team owners, team managers, folks in charge of client relations. Tell me about this experience for you so far, knowing that coming into this 2020 season, pretty significant change, right? Obviously, ABC Supply, great partner for 15 plus years, but some new partners coming in, new drivers coming in. Uh, I've felt for you all, knowing that Maybe in all the situations caused by this coronavirus delay and shutdown, it's not like you've got tons of old partner friends that you can just pick up the phone and, you know, it's an old relationship to work. I'm guessing in some situations, maybe some new partners, new sponsors and friends where you had to do this dance, kind of figuring out the dance while you did it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, it it's certainly been a challenge as it is for for everybody in in the world, right? Everybody's dealing with their own unique challenges from this. Um I'd say yeah, uh you know, tough, certainly a tough time to to not have uh ABC uh, as full time. Yeah, they're still with us at the Indy 500 and and that's awesome, but it's also been great getting to know a lot of our new partners. Uh, even like uh, you know, Novo Nordisk, who's not new to IndyCar, but uh, they're new to AJ Foyt Racing. Yeah, and for the most part, I'd say all of our sponsors sponsors have been, uh, you know, great to deal with. They're they're doing the best they can, juggling their businesses and some of the cuts they have to make, versus understanding our situation and and the deals we have in place and trying to honor those. So, so far, everybody's been working together. Uh, You know, we've had a little bit of fallout. We had some things that were very close to getting inked for some races, and then, you know, some of those races were canceled. So, so those deals have have gone by the wayside at the moment. But, um, you know, it's scary times for a lot of businesses. I think it's, it's certainly I'm sure every team in the paddock is, is thinking ahead to 2021 and what's this going to look like and what do sponsorships look like? And it's, uh, you know, it could be very tough. It's certainly very concerning times.
0: You also mentioned engineers got some interesting adjustments to the engineering group this year. Uh, at least one new face, but one returning face, some existing faces. I know from an excitement standpoint, Larry, you talk to uh, the French fry of my hamburger, that Mr. Bourdais guy. You talk to Tony Canaan, obviously. Uh, continuing now with the team, there's a real sense of excitement that a you've got a great, great chemistry in this revised engineering uh, makeup, but also in terms of finding faster directions from last year, that there's been some really good gains made. Can you just speak on that a little bit because boy, new drivers, uh, new sponsors, new engineers. Uh, you're not making it easy on yourself, my friend, but I know this area is one that has a lot of promise to it.
1: Uh, you're stressing me out, Marshall. <laughs> no, it's uh man, no it is. I mean, we just kind of, you know, we we needed a clean slate going into this year and like you say, yeah, yeah we worked with Mike Colliver a lot. Uh, uh, Mike's just great. He's one of those kind of older school engineers. He's just uh, really about getting the the real results out of the race car on track and and doing using the driver a lot to get there more so than the than some of the data. I mean, I think he has a really good mix of both and. Uh, I didn't personally really know Mike Pulowski much, but getting to know him, he's been good to work with so far, and I'll be on his stand with Charlie. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, preseason testing was really good. Um, it's uh, it's only testing, so you don't want to look too far into it, but but it was good. It was very competitive um... getting a uh, new opinions uh, like from uh... from a long time guy like Bourdais, was great and and a lot of his feedback to help uh... work on some of those road course setups was super helpful so i hate that we lost a couple of his races early on and we'll just have to see we're going to definitely try to get him back in the car later in the year but we'll see how it plans out um... because we've got dalton so we've got uh, a rookie we've got to get as much seat time that we can there and, uh, and TK on the oval should be good. And then Kimball will be full time in the four car. So a lot of changes, but, uh, some old faces returning and, and some new ones to mix in. So, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And
0: the next question we had, Larry, uh, this coming in on one of the, the names you mentioned from Tim glass is Larry, assuming the new schedule holds, you have any suggestions on where you think Sebastian might race on the calendar And if there's any particular reason on why one race over the other, and I might extend that too, we hope things are going to hold. We aren't sure that every race on the revised calendar is going to stick, but maybe share with some folks some thoughts about Seb, but also share the challenges of trying, wanting to say this driver here, that driver there. I don't know if you should be using permanent ink on that right now.
1: Right. Yeah, our situation is really tough on that end. I mean, we we wanted to get uh, Sebastian some races early in the season, and and have uh... you know to really just see where we were with some of our road course setups, and and have Dalton around there, and it was really helpful at Coda and, and Sebring. I think it was nice for a rookie to be able to step in the car that a guy like Bourdais says, "Okay, this car is pretty good. Just you know, work on your driving. You know, learn how to drive this car." So from that aspect, that that plan was going well. Um, On the back end, I'm glad they added St. Pete. That was one of Bourdais' races. Hopefully we'll have him in for that one, and he was scheduled to do Portland. So I think uh, barring any major schedule changes from here on out, we can at least get him a couple races. And um, other than that, you know, we're rolling into Texas. Uh, Kimball runs well there, has a lot of experience, and of course Tony's great there, so that's really good to at least we get to start with uh, some good experience on, on that race weekend.
0: Let's go to a fun one from Kathy Mays. It says, hey, Larry, would you rather be racing or running the team? She says, you're definitely the nicest guy in racing, and good luck this season. So does that uh, does that little voice in the back of your head ever perk up?
1: Well, maybe, maybe around Daytona time. You know, more of my driving was, really in the in the stock cars. Um as I was coming up, you know, that was right around the split and it just ended up the way it was that I ended up going to Charlotte and um it was tough. You know, I, I was really thankful I got to do the Indy five hundreds. That was my dream growing up. I mean just growing up every year and watching the race in turn two and watching Dad and, and you know, him waving at us, it just it leaves such an impression on a young kid. So being able to get there and, and just, just driving car on the speedway but qualify for the race was just, was awesome. Um, sure. There's sometimes you miss it, but shoot, I'm, I'm 43 now. <laughs> and uh, It's, uh, I've, I've had some time to kind of close that chapter. I, I really do enjoy the business side as well. It's, uh, it's something that it, it's tough. And like you say, probably maybe I'm too nice for it sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a cutthroat business, but it's also a very rewarding business when, when things go well. It can be tough, especially when you're a smaller team. You're up against some really stiff competition, and, and the wins don't come as often as, as we'd like them to right now. So it's very tough. Uh, it can beat you up, but uh, it's still a sport. I think IndyCar does a great job with the platform to even give smaller teams a chance to compete. So if we, do, uh, if we do our job and do it right, we can definitely win races.
0: I love the sound of that. Uh let's go to our pal Jeremiah morrell He says Larry a few years now into the split shop strategy between Texas and Indiana. Curious how you would assess the program now that you've been doing it for a couple of years. Any unexpected successes jump out and any drawbacks that have jumped out?
1: Right, I'd say um I'd say it's pros and cons. I mean you have to remember kind of what what Bill, what, what brought the two shops about was we were just struggling to get uh, enough uh, experienced IndyCar guys or just experienced mechanics and engineers in general uh, to base out of, of Houston. We had enough for the one car, but uh, getting the two, uh, getting two teams, it just it was difficult and and it wasn't working. And we had to do something quickly. And so when when the the place became available there in Speedway, and we were able to get that race shop. It just made sense to go ahead and get. We were able to put a great team together up there to complement the great team we had in Houston. So now I think personnel-wise we're in really good shape, so so that's good. Now we obviously do have our challenges of of some logistics. Um, I don't think it's a major part of our problem. Is it the best? Um, no, it, it's certainly not not ideal but it's also solved the biggest problem which was us having really good mechanics for both cars and good engineers in-house and and we've been able to do that so we'll see what the future holds with two shops i don't think it's our our long-term goal or plan but um for right now it, it's what we're dealt with and we're making the best of it
0: are you surprised at all larry how often you get questions about the split shop uh <laughs> it just seems it's a fascinating you're it's a fascinating thing, for sure, uh, but it just seems like, I don't know, I'm always surprised how much interest it draws.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I mean, and I think, I think if I think back, I think you wrote pretty negatively about it at the beginning, and it's understandable, because uh, like I said, it's not ideal, it's not fiscally the, the best thing in the world to do, and it certainly creates some challenges and there's some uh, you know, some double expenses there. But like I said, we just quickly needed to really be able to have great crews on both cars and it and it helped us solve that problem. Well,
0: don't believe everything idiots write on the internet. That's one thing I've learned for sure. Uh, let's see, where shall we go? Why don't we go to, here's a fun one. Uh, let's go to Dave Lyle. It says Larry, I believe I read where you guys are putting a museum together. Any details available as to location and completion also adds good luck to you this year and looking forward to seeing the team at Indy.
1: Cool, yeah. Actually, I'm popping over there tomorrow to check on construction. Um, we actually are. We're building. So I, I think, you know, God, it's been 11 and 12 years that uh, A.J. Foyt IV and I uh, and our friend uh, Chris Perry started Foyt Family Wines. So yeah. Chris is Chris lives in Sonoma, and he runs the day-to-day out there at the winery. We are, um, but currently uh, there's an area in Texas, uh, a town called Fredericksburg, Texas, that uh, anyone from the hill country in Texas or probably anyone in Texas is familiar with it. Great tourist spot, and it's probably the, a bit of the hub of uh, Texas winemaking right now. Even in our county where we bought some land, there's, there are 48 vineyards right there. So we are. Building a vineyard and tasting room, and that—that's kind of phase one. We're hoping to open that up in September, and then start working on the museum. Um, there's some great museums down there. There's a, a World War II museum, and uh, just a bunch of really cool attractions down in Fredericksburg. And I just thought this would be a great place. We've still got, uh, you know, we've got Kenny Brax, uh... Indy 500 winning car at the shop. Got AJ's Copenhagen car that he took his last lap around the speedway in and i was just thinking you know God, we've got so much cool memorabilia here i want to put it into a place where people people can see it so yeah. it's a big of a bit of a legacy thing for me just something i've really wanted to do and i'm uh, really excited about it
0: oh that is so awesome i know however many years back i uh, donated a number of photos i think when you were uh, looking to put some stuff or hang some stuff up in the uh uh the wine shop per se the the wine bar so i still have to swing by and and see if any of those made the cut
1: uh, <laughs> cool yeah
0: let's see uh here's one from tom anderson a very serious one i think it might be leaning a little bit aj which foit wines go best with a ribeye steak for dinner and ice cream for dessert
1: <laughs> well i would certainly vote for one of our mount veder cabs they're pure mount vider cabernets are fantastic those are kind of our reserve uh reserve cabernets but funny enough i mean not funny i'm sure you probably realize aj's not a big wine drinker no uh, but he actually likes our pinot gris he likes the white one a little bit so when he comes by the wine vault he'll have a, a glass of pinot gris so that's pretty funny i think that's his favorite
0: we absolutely need to film some sort of segment with Mario and Reddy and AJ talking wine. That might be the funniest <laughs> thing ever, but it could be educational, right? Uh, oh, Lord. I love that those two, after not always being, you know, bosom buddies, I love that those two have just gotten closer uh, as they get older. I know Mario in particular just uh, beams whenever uh, AJ reaches out. So just a cool thing to know.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of respect there, for sure.
0: Uh, Let's see. Now, this might be my favorite question of the episode, Larry. And uh, this comes from Jeff at Original IndyCar, who asks, how is sponsorship looking for 2021? And uh, are you still looking at having two separate teams? And what does the driver lineup look like? So I want to (laughs) throw that at you, just with a little uh, proviso that we've yet to run the 2020 season. But if you could tell us your sponsors for next year. How many cars and the names of the drivers? I'm going straight to the uh, the good old internet with that one.
1: Do you have a like a crickets audio we can play through this <laughs> for this answer? <laughs> and
0: again, I, I just let this in for fun, and we're you know just thank you Jeff for sending it in. But there's a little bit of practical stuff we got to get through. Like you know, it's a bit like asking, "What are my grades going to be when I, I graduate at the end of the year?" And you go. Well, let's say we start the school year first, and then we can talk about <laughs> what it might look like at the end.
1: Um, what I would say is, uh, you know, I, I would say we definitely have a desire to get uh, Bourdais in some races. Uh, again, would love to have him full-time. Excited to see how Dalton comes along, and definitely don't want that just to be a one-year deal. I think, um, you know, he's going to uh, have a good good career ahead of him, so we, we'd like to keep him. and. Uh, hey, you know TK. I mean, uh, is he really going to retire? Who knows? Uh-huh. I know he says he is, but we never know. And and Charlie's been great to work with too. So I don't know. It is wide open in the air. Obviously, in our situation, a lot of it will come down to funding. I know sometimes fans don't understand that, but it's you know, even a guy like AJ who has been super successful. You know, you running an IndyCar team out of your pocket. It just, it just does it. It goes away really quickly. And, um, he's always taught me that he's like, if something happens to me and you don't have the sponsorship, you have to shut this down because you, I've said, I've seen too many older drivers that I race with. They, they had a little money and they tried to do this and, and it just goes so fast. So obviously you have to see where the, where the money is, um, we're, we're working with some great drivers right now, and we'll just we'll just see what happens. But uh, 2021 is, feels like a ways off at it all. It'll be here before we know it, and um, we have beefed up our marketing group just a little bit more to start uh, understanding possibly where some opportunities are going to lie in this uh, post-lockdown situation, what the world's going to be like.
0: I love the situation you're in, Larry, in that you do have Tony, who yeah okay uh, farewell type thing right we don't want him to go there's no reason for him to go uh we have Borday, who just wants to prove to the world that he is better than the cards he was dealt at the end of the 2019 season there's definitely i don't want to say an axe to grind but kind of a oh really. So you think I'm no longer the guy. Okay. All right, cool. I'm going to use that as some fire to prove you wrong. You have Charlie who is continuing his valuable contribution in place to the IndyCar series. Not sure where Dalton's going to end up, right? He certainly has a lot to prove, but the fact that he wants to be here is trying to be here and is determined to give it his best. It's not the first time a driver has, has come in maybe lacking the, the clear credentials for future IndyCar champion, but is not intimidated by what he has to do to, uh, to earn everyone's respect and keep coming back. I like where you guys are at because it doesn't feel stale. It doesn't feel uh, like there's no hope or optimism. It seems like you're in a good place. So even though we can't exactly put our, our finger on what year 21 lineup is going to look like. It seems like you got the bones uh, of something good to work with this year to help uh, narrow that down.
1: Sure. and You know, just after all this that's going on right now, who, who knows what's going to happen. You know, Marshall, we just have to, we have to do the best job we can. I know IndyCar is working hard to try to control costs because I know that's going to be uh, something we're all talking about going into 2021. And um, they're on top of it and doing a really good job there
0: i was just gonna suggest a, a throwback lineup of ross and eddie cheever just you know <laughs> if we, let's just confuse the hell out of people um let's see here's one talking about a, a certain legend uh this comes in from uh vic d who says larry what is a certain super techs been up to during this lengthy off season also adds good luck to both entries this year but what's it been like uh with a a certain Mr. Foyt, who is an active man, uh, maybe, I don't know, uh, fighting against a world that's telling him to be inactive?
1: Well, he, pretty much right as this all started, um, he went ahead and took off to to Del Rio to his ranch. And he spent, gosh, I think 45 days there, pretty much on a tractor every day, uh, working on some projects he had down there. And uh, I thought that was the best thing. He, he would talk about coming home, and I'd just say, Dad, just stay out there. You are a, you know, you're you you're know, in the middle of 5,000 acres and around nobody. You're in the best place you can be right now. And uh, just stay there. So he did. He stayed as long as he could. He got all his work done out there, and he finally did come back home. But um, now as we're slowly starting to kind of reopen the race shops here, and he, he pops by and says hello. But, he's not staying too much and he's got some ranches around here that he's getting to work on too. So that's been, you know, he's getting to live his best life. He's on a tractor. He's a happy man.
0: Living his best life. Oh man. Uh, that just, I can see him with a, uh, a big old floppy hat, a t-shirt and some giant sunglasses. Just, uh, sipping fruity drinks or maybe not uh let's see why don't we go to uh i think you've gotten this one before in the show larry but it's always a fun one shauna oakwood asks larry what's the favorite car you've ever raced she also is curious any particular favorite stories from your racing days
1: oh wow that um that's cool. I, I I've always said I think one of the one of my favorite series and years of racing was uh, the year I got to race the ASA series. I think that was ninety nine or two thousand, and it was so much fun. Um, we all had uh, the GM Vortec engines, and so it was really fair from that aspect. And I was getting to work with I had never been on a short track before. Okay, so I'm racing against short track legends. Uh, and uh, like like Butch Miller and Mike Eddy. I just never forget. It was just unreal, you know. And I had so much to learn. And actually, I was Butch was racing on a team against us, but he was also my team manager. So I was able to learn from Butch, and that was just awesome. Uh, just one of the greatest experiences. Had you know, learning short tracks uh, from Butch Miller, and it was tough. I think one of the best days though was uh, we were at uh, Winchester. And um I uh went out early to qualify and I was pretty quick and I was so nervous, I wanted to pull so bad. So I went uh I snuck up in the stands, I took my suit off and I was sitting up in the stands watching the rest of qualifying and I just remember when it held up to the end I jumped up and everybody was like, Oh my gosh Yeah, I was and I was excited and uh I think it uh, broke the track record that Mark Martin held there for a long time. So that was that was a really cool day and so that was fun, but uh, I think driving an Indy car at Indianapolis—that's the coolest racing experience you can ever have.
0: I think that one's not bad at all. But we have a fun follow-up to this from a pal, Darren Dubois. It says, Larry, I saw a clip of your. Says the nineteen ninety nine USF two thousand wreck at Atlanta. Yes, was that the scariest accident of your career? And also asked what happened to create such tight racing there?
1: So that was, I'm going to say, probably the most fortunate accident I had. And the, the the fact that I walked away from that, that that could have been really bad. You know, those those were two two frame cars, obviously, that were racing on a mile-and-a-half oval. And they put a, a, a Hanford-type device kind of like to, to slow us down a little bit. And, yeah, I mean, we saw what, what that does, right? It certainly packs the racing up. So you could see the drafting was just insane, and, uh, you know, three wide and things like that, uh, which led to that accident. I, the two guys on the top touched, and the, the car in the middle spun down, and, you know, my right rear ran over his left front, and that's what sent me barrel rolling down the front straightaway. uh super lucky to uh to get out you know to to walk out of that one. i people still say you know they see that video and they see aj running out to me and that wasn't too long after his you know I, well, his, his legs had been crushed you know at elkhart lake and they're just like we cannot believe he ran i said I couldn't either when i looked up and saw him there i couldn't believe it wow. i said maybe I, hey, hey, I am dead i don't know uh this is crazy so it was uh yeah that that was a that was a big wreck that was probably um that, I mean, that was a scary one, but, you know, it was one of those that happened so fast. Uh, I hardly could see it coming because it was almost happening behind me uh, when I caught, uh, you know, my right rear caught his left front. So just just a bad luck deal for me.
0: Oh, Let's go to Chris Peterson. Love this one. Says, Larry, we know the rough and gruff side of AJ, but Robin Miller assures us. That there's a softer side to big text. Zaz's son, can you give us any examples to back up Miller's claim? Saving kittens (laughs) from a coyote. Painting a granddaughter's nails pink, possibly. Uh, Uh, What a great one.
1: That's funny. No, That will never happen. I guarantee you that. (laughs) And he already tells us, he knows, He says, I know all you kids are going to be mad at me, but you know, if anything ever happens to your mom, I'm not going to remember when your birthday is. So just don't <laughs> be mad at me. So, no, um, Marshall, he does so much for people that he just doesn't say anything about it and people don't see it. Uh, and there are stories that I've met people around racetracks, uh, the things he's done, whether for other drivers who got hurt or just needed a hand. Or, there are just so many stories of, of who he really is inside and, and his intenseness when it comes to racing and winning. Yeah. Sometimes that brings out some things, uh, that, <laughs> that nowadays aren't the, the best looking things. Right. But that his intensity and his will to win were so strong. Um, but, Away from the track, what he'll do for other people that people don't see is, is unbelievable. And and he's mellowed out for sure as he's you know he's eighty five years old now. Uh, he's mellowed a little bit, but he's still you know when he's in the shop and if he's asking something about the race car and it's not what he wants to hear, ooh you know he's still AJ. Well,
0: Miller has never stopped being Miller. I don't believe he does a nice <laughs> or good thing for anybody, but we still love him. So you know. We accept that, uh, as he calls it, that bag of misery known as Robin Miller. Uh, Let's see. A couple more here, and then we are going to say thank you and farewell. Looking back a little bit here, uh, this is from uh, our pal John Wonar, who says, Larry, you take us back to uh, some of the, the tough and interesting times at the 2011 Indy 500. Referring to Ryan Hunter Ray stepping in taking over Bruno Junquera's ride and such. It's one of those things that used to happen a lot long before you and I were born. It was not uncommon at all for drivers to jump from car to car, didn't make it, didn't like the car and qualifying, uh, hop in someone else's. Bit of a rarity in the modern era, though. So just curious what you remember of those circumstances and what it was like trying to navigate rather uh, uncommon situation these days.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's, you know, that was a tough situation, um, no doubt, Uh, but, um, I think there, there are kind of some multiple things going on there that went into all the decision making. Um, I mean, first off, yeah, it's, it's horrible for Bruno, right? That he's got a, he's not able to race. He did a great job qualifying the car. um, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember back. I think we still paid him everything we had, had told him that we'd pay him. I, you know, things uh, like that. You you try to be as fair as you can. Um, on the other side, we didn't have a sponsor on that car. It's coming out of AJ's pocket, right? So, uh, obviously, uh, you have an accident at in Indy or something like that, and you're out hundreds of thousands of dollars, and and that's coming straight out of AJ's pocket. Uh, the other thing was here you have uh, – a team owner and Michael who's up against a really tough situation. I mean, here, one of his major sponsors could miss the Indy 500. And what would that have done to that relationship for, for him? Who knows? And that's a company that is still, uh, you know, with Michael and supporting IndyCar today. So I think if you look at it that way, um, it, it's tough to say what's right or wrong in a different cause surely it, it's, tough for bruno um on the same time you've got a guy like ryan hunter ray and a great sponsor and indycar team owner and michael that, that were we able to hopefully keep uh you know keep that a bad situation from getting worse uh with, with a company like that not being in the indy 500 so uh, a lot of tough side those are those are the days it's really tough to be on the business side because those are the days that aren't very much fun
0: Seems to me, Larry, that the, there are two big things that jumped out and I'm doing my best to remember from being there and what went down. One would be Bruno. So he's you know gone and done what was asked, put his, you know, uh, put his himself on the line, got the car into the show, did a good job. There's a business need though that, uh, you know, sorry, Bruno, but there, there's a business need that outweighs all of that. What's the conversation like with the driver, uh, knowing that you're going to need to stand them down, not at the, you know, Kentucky 200 or whatever it might be, the Indy 500. And if they ask for things, you know, do you say no? All right, well, you better, you know, write me a nice check or I want, uh, you know, let me have, let me borrow the plane once a month. I don't know what, but that has to be something that uh, I don't know. There's a, if there's a script or a playbook to use.
1: Yeah, I think it all probably depends on the driver, where he's at in his career. You know what I mean? Is he a 20-year-old guy? Is he a 40-year-old guy? What, what What's he trying to do? So, you know, I think every driver, uh, I'm certainly not going to speak for Bruno and what his thoughts are, but uh, but we we certainly stayed friends after that. So I, I think it, it was okay.
0: Good. All right. We have two questions to go. We'll start off with Steve Grinstead, who says, Larry, is there any part of the shutdown that you've actually ended up liking? Not necessarily from a team standpoint, but on a personal front. He's also curious that if IndyCar were to line up a third engine supplier, is there one that maybe pulls at your heartstrings you'd love to see get involved in IndyCar?
1: Well, I had a couple couple good things from from being Kind of stuck at home, um, really just being to spend some time with my with my family, with my wife and son. Yeah, he got to see him turn one. Normally, I'd already be missing a lot of a lot of his early life here, but being able to watch him, you know, see him every day has been a lot of fun. <laughs> and I actually was able to spend the the first uh, birthday with my wife since we've known each other normally she's she's born in early may and normally i'm already up in indy so this is the first time we actually got to celebrate her birthday together so that was that was really nice and um what was the second question
0: uh if we were had to have a third engine manufacturer come in there any just on a on a personal level where boy i'd love to see this brand come in because you have some affinity for them
1: i mean not really um I think uh, it would just be great. I know it's a big goal of any car to get that third OEM and, and maybe take a little bit of pressure off off Honda and Chevrolet, but we're super happy with Chevrolet. They've been fantastic to work with. So uh, it's uh, I don't care. I'd just love for us to get one. Whoever it is, bring them on.
0: I won't say Lotus. Uh, we're going to close here with our friend Ross Porter. Two items to he says, Larry, I've heard... Tony Kanon mentioned the possibility of a cool throwback paint scheme for his Indy 500 ride. Would like to vote here. Thinks a classic Gilmore racing team. Coyote red paired with the flannel crew shirts just might bring some good luck. He also adds, what are your expectations for Dalton this year? So I don't know if you can give us any, uh, any previews of a, of a throwback theme here for TK, but I got to go with Ross old Gilmore red. And the flannel, boy, you guys would sell a ton of those in the merchandise store.
1: <laughs> that would be very cool. Yeah, Alfie, you know, Alfie did that uh, a little bit when they were sponsoring us. We had they made some of those kind of with their orange, but the throwback look was very cool. Um, well, TK's car at Indy. Now that's ABC Supply, so yeah. that's probably going to be pretty close to the ABC Supply delivery that that they stuck with there for the last four or five years of of their entries. So um, what I will say is TK is going to have a pretty cool throwback car at Dallas, but I can't tell you what it is yet, but that is probably coming soon.
0: Ooh, well, I love, love the idea there. What about our man, Kellett? Let's close on that. I know that going into COTA, say spring training, Larry, um, didn't know what we were going to get fears that he might have been too far off the pace wasn't the case absolutely was not the case and i hope his performance there in front of the full field would have you know settled any concerns what do you set for him though with expectations what is a positive outcome to the year look like for you uh if you could write the script
1: right well what i'd say is uh you know you, you sometimes, you just never know with a rookie, right? I mean, it's just how sometimes a guy really adapts to a bigger car, even more so than than the smaller cars or series they're coming out to. And I think that very well could be the case with Dalton. He uh, showed really well at the Sebring test. I mean, we were very impressed. You know, I think he was mid-pack most of the day. Uh, so showing, you know, never having been there in an Indy car, got right up to speed very quickly. And, uh, yeah, the Coda test, he really didn't even get a fair shake at him. Unfortunately, the weather, I remember we were dealing with the rain and the cold and, uh, we were trying to get Seb in the car a little bit to, to work on our setups to make sure the car was right for Dalton. And, uh, he had to jump in and I think he only got 20 laps, but he was, you know, every time, every lap was just getting faster and faster. So look, it's not, you've got one of the most talented fields in auto racing right now in the IndyCar series. So, um... All the rookies are going to certainly face challenges, and, and Dalton is too, but he's got a really good head on his shoulders. He's really dedicated to this, motivated, and so far, uh, you know, really at Sebring, he hardly put a wheel wrong. He was very, very good. So we'll just see how it goes. Uh, a little concerning that maybe some of these race weekends, if the schedules are changed, he's not going to get a lot of time, mm. uh, which for a rookie, you know, that's, that's not great because you want rookie. a guy to – yeah it's not good for any rookie and I think he's going to do fine.
0: Well, he's got a new video show he's doing on Twitch with his uh, kind of manager and guide, Darren Manning, former Foyt driver Darren Manning. I've seen you know well, I've see, t- there's
1: his, there's his first problem is Darren Manning <laughs> <kidding>. I mean
0: <laughs> you want to talk about bad advisement and uh, uh, you know, look, the kid's keeping himself busy. he's eye racing everywhere at all times uh danger mouse yeah again well you know he's young we can coach him up a bit there there's some others out there uh but all kidding aside you know i'm looking forward to the year ahead for you uh it's fun i think hopefully folks do, we've dispelled the myth that uh that the, you f- hate me um you know they would leave that margin though right always the margin to, to write something piss somebody off you know i mean that's kind of part and parcel of what we do but all kidding aside, thanks for taking some time, Larry. Always a pleasure to have you on and uh, we'll hopefully get to see you here sometime soon at a motor racing circuit.
1: I appreciate it, Marshall, and um, thanks. I, I know that uh, I don't always have to agree with what you write. It, it, it's fine. It is very fair, but uh, I think no one can doubt. Uh, we love the, your your passion for our sport and what you bring to it by keeping us out there and keeping the articles going for the fans and your experience it's really great so thanks for everything i hope we can give you some positive stuff to write about this year and if not uh, i don't know i'll get danger mouse and we'll we'll have maybe we'll have come beat you up out back like the good old days with aj and robin
0: i mean if i don't get smacked upside the head by a laptop i will have not achieved what i should in the year 2020 so we're on to (laughs) something right there